From the Transverse Network, this is The Transgender Show, an interview program about gender discovery and self-acceptance. I'm your host, Emily. This week on the show is non-binary teacher and friend of the Transverse, Jade. How do you identify and what are your pronouns? Uh, my pronouns, I go with the they, them, their set of pronouns. As we mentioned kind of earlier in our, in our like personal talk, I also refer to myself as a girl, like with she and her sometimes, uh, just because I, I feel very fluid with that. And, and you know, as we're, we're probably going to talk about uh, to each their own and, you know, our own transitions and, and transformations call for our own unique approach to things. Uh, I identify as transgender and gender non-binary. Uh, I'm very proud to say that I am transgender and that non-binary is my gender identity. Okay. Um, as a teacher, inevitably, I bring this up to my students, and that's how I, I describe it, that I'm very fluid with my gender expression, and I'm very uh, feminine presenting. Great. Thank you for clearing that up, and thank you for also absolving me of my guilt from saying she earlier. <laughs> Can we share some love for Emily and chat? <laughs> I like to start with a fun one, and that is, how did you choose your name? That's a great question. Um, so my given name, as you know, I was given growing up, uh, was Dylan. And I still use that the majority of the time in person with people. Um, you know, it's still in my professional records. And being a teacher, I'm in the public eye. Um, so it's something that hasn't I haven't been changing yet. On my internet personality and kind of, you know, my private life, I like to use Jade too. So, uh, sometimes as a middle name for myself, Dylan Jade. Other times for just my first name. And I really like using it this, uh, especially in this in uh, tonight. Um, Jade, I'm not really sure how I really came across Jade. Um, there's several instances of this name popping up in my life. I don't have any particular friends that are named Jade or like anyone in particular, but, um, growing up, uh, I, I had a MySpace and have you ever just added random people online in MySpace? Um, <laughs> it was an old social networking website and I friended a random person named Jade from Canada and I don't even know if they were real, but I loved her name. And that was just an instance of, you know, how I found out about that name. Um, but I really... I don't know. I just something clicked. The sound of it, the shortness of it, it reminded me of Dylan. Um, even though it's not particularly similar to Dylan, um, a future first and middle name for myself would be Jade Evelyn, and I feel like the combination of that reminds me of Dylan. So I, I think that's may, maybe where I where I went with that. Nice. Yeah, I love that. You love the the kind of tie in or any kind of way you can find that like, yeah, pays homage to your original name. I like that. It's very pretty. When did you first realize that you were that you were trans? What were the signs for you like growing up or at the time when you came to that realization? It's so interesting because I feel like now that I'm out and an active person, right, like talking about it and sharing my ideas, it feels like this is at all how I've always been. Um, before that coming out, um, how did I know about it? Um, when I was growing up, I was assigned male at birth, and whenever I met girls or or feminine things, there was this pull towards it for me. And I didn't know if I was, you know, just a boy in love with a girl kind of thing, or if it was if it was like I wanted to be her kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, there was like this, this attraction to femininity and in, in maybe like the, this emotion that's a cross between jealousy and desire and um, admiration where I really admired what I saw and felt that I had like a connection beyond explanation 
uh, to it. When I watch TV shows like Pokemon, the Ditto episode where the characters dress up in costumes. Anybody know about that one? Um, the Ditto episode where they dress up in costumes and gender bend for a moment. Mm. It was just it was just so eye opening for me, but I didn't have language for it. So it wasn't until I got older that I really was able to produce a well thought out plan of of attack here. Mm-hmm. So once you finally put it together that this is what you were, how did you come to terms with that? What kind of internal struggle did you have with coming to grips with that? Um, a lot, a lot. I was, I, I figured out maybe in 2017 or 2018 what I really felt inside. I was trying to put words to it. I first started with male nonconforming. Um, I was afraid to use the transgender label because uh, one, I didn't want to fake it. And I see those memes all the time, like on egg IRL and other subreddits where um, uh, non-trans people don't think about maybe being trans or, or lying about it. Um, I, I, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't want to, I didn't want to lie. I didn't want to feel like I was jumping onto a bandwagon. I was, I was embarrassed to come out to anybody. Um, mm -hmm. And um yeah, so so the first thing I did was call the local counselor, LGBT friendly counselor, and I've never met these people before, and I was I was very unfamiliar with it. But I called them, and the the secretary there, they just just heard something in my voice and was like, "Hey, let's just talk. Like, I don't have any openings for you, but let's talk." And we talked for like two hours that day, mm. and they gave me words to to try out and to use: nonconforming, nonbinary, uh, and and you know, I just slowly tried to try to build an identity from there. Yeah. So as someone who identifies primarily as non-binary, you know, you, you maintain that gender fluidity, yet you had something that, I mean, it's very similar to what I had where, you know, just that a bit of confusion because you have that love for and jealousy of and admiration of feminine people, femininity. And um, so what was it that helped you kind of realize that you were more you were on the non-binary side of things and and really come to uh, adapt and become comfortable with that identity um this is not this is not rehearsed so i'm gonna go right into a story that came immediately to me in i think it was 10th grade in, in high school i took a sociology class and we looked at different topics and one of them was gender and of course, like growing up, there was something in me where I overanalyzed gender because, you know, something was in me. Um, but in our gender unit, we had to write just a personal response to the unit overall before moving on to the next one, just like the other units. And for the gender one I wrote down in my journal, I wish I could feel like a third gender. I wish I could feel like something beyond what's already listed. Um, I love feminine parts of me. I, I love ideas of uh, masculine parts of me. Of course, I just love femininity much more, but, but, um, I wish there was something in between, but again, I didn't have a name for it. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was something that kind of woke me to that. And then trying gravitating towards LGBT friends in college and high school, um, not many in high school, people weren't really out. It was early two thousands and, and the mid two thousands. And then in college, late two thousands, um, 2012 ish, 2013, uh, just, just the visibility, people being visible helped me kind of activate my own identity and and awareness of self okay um maybe i can't point to a particular person but it was really just a series of people i met little by little just helped me construct something for myself mm -hmm. 
Now, do you have a lot of transgender friends? Um, now I do. Okay. <laughs> yeah, um, it slowly, it slowly started to build this friend group, mm. my network. Um, and, but before, not really. I, I grew up um, in, in, in a, I want to say a privileged uh, suburban area, but, but the diversity I felt wasn't really there. Okay. And the appreciation for progressive ideas or, or diversity wasn't really there growing up for me. And what I needed inside, I never felt, you know, like, like I never felt like, like my community would have accepted that sort of thing. Okay. Um, so I really didn't have a lot of exposure to LGBT ideas and, and issues until um, really becoming my own after high school mm -hmm. and moving away. And I ask you that question, and what I'm trying to get to is, do you feel that it's harder for you because you identify as non-binary to describe yourself to others or to fit into a transgender group or a cis group of friends? Yeah, that, that that's a good question. Um, hmm. <laughs> oh, man, you're really quizzing me here. Um, <laughs> yeah. The, uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know. Um, okay. I find it... I. I I always think of myself as an introvert, but when I meet people, they say I'm very extroverted and very like outgoing and like easy to talk to. Mm -hmm. um, but I, and I'm very, I'm very like personable and like kind of quiet. Like I like a small group, only a few, a few friends at a time. Um, so I, I don't really have a huge friend group, I, I wouldn't say, but um, I guess I find it easy to to make friends with people who are trans or cis or non-binary. I. Hmm. But when you when you're describing yourself to people, do you tend to just stop at "I'm trans" and and let it be that, or um, you know, if if they're questioning your your gender identity at all, do you how often do you go into the fact that you're non-binary and and you know, is that a big point of pride for you, or is that something you kind of keep on the DL because a lot of people maybe don't understand what that is and you don't want to pull out the dictionary, <laughs> describe it to them? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for explaining that. Um. Yes. 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 It is difficult because. Um, I found, because I think when I learn about it, I assume the whole world knows about it. Like I assume my family knows about it, my friends know about it, but they just don't. And, and of course, you know, over time, like we're trying to gain more visibility <laughs> in the town and society. Um, but it, explaining what non-binary is sometimes, like I see just blank stares or people looking right through me being like, I don't know what you said. I'm not going to ask anymore because I don't kind of don't care. You see the um, eyes glaze you... over and it just kind of you, you can just see it going over their head and you're like, all right, this is we're just going to stop here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I've created like an elevator speech, which is really funny. As a social studies teacher, I get that regardless. You know, I get blank stares anyway, every day <laughs> teaching. <laughs> That's your, that's your, that's what you're used to. That's kind of your status quo. Okay. Yeah. So I created an elevator speech. I'll say something like I'm non-binary, which to many means being gender fluid or a third gender option. Um, and then I'll say something to the, uh, to the likes of, um, this has been a gender identity that exists all through human history. Mm. Um, ancient gods and ancient gods, you know, were, were expressed their views in non-binary ways. Um, you know, Greek gods cross jest and, and Hindu gods were, were, uh, you know, presenting in many different genders at once and sometimes, you know, different uh, at different times. Um, Native American children who are LGBT were considered good luck charms. So, mm. like, all of a sudden I'll throw out this, like, this vomit of social studies facts at them, proving to them that I've been around longer than their ignorance. Uh -huh. <laughs> just just completely just, trying to justify like, yourself. Just like, no, no, we've always been here, people like me, and, and it's totally cool. It's totally okay. Yeah, yeah. 
It's so sad that we have to I do that. I don't know. Sometimes I'm oblivious, though, so I don't know if it's effective, but in my head, it's effective. <laughs> hey, whatever makes you feel comfortable when you're talking to somebody, that's the most important part, you know? So that that's the that's the good part too. That's the good headspace to default to. And something I've I've found about myself, I grew up very self conscious, very over analyzing everything about myself. Um, I've come to a point in my life where I'm just, I don't hold myself to a standard of someone else's. I I found my own standard for myself, and I'm 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 happy with who I am and where I end up. That's my own story to write. Mm -hmm. um so so explaining it to people i've come to this point and it's hard to get to and sometimes some days i don't feel this confident but when i yeah. talk to people about it i uh i'm happy with whatever i say and if it doesn't doesn't work that time talking about it try next time and i'm fine with myself and i don't really care if someone doesn't understand You've gotten used to the fact that you're going to explain this a lot of times to a lot of people. And yeah, if you don't get this one right, there'll be another chance. <laughs> yeah, that's it. You won't get a do-over with this person, but you'll get a, you'll get a, another dress rehearsal on that one. There's like 7 billion people in the world. Plenty of tryouts. Yeah. No, I just thought it was really important to kind of bring that up. You know, as we celebrate Pride Month, we're trying to celebrate all of us together, you know, under the LGBT umbrella. Um, I know there's there's many, many other letters, but, you know, we're celebrating all of these different identities. And sometimes it's it's interesting when we it's interesting to, to step back and remember what other people are going through, even within our community where, um, yeah, we're under this bigger umbrella that has a fair bit of of recognition and understanding. But then as you start to go down that there are. There are subsectors of our community that don't get that kind of awareness out there in the general public. And so that's why I was asking, you know, yeah, I've heard that from a few people that you kind of stop at transgender or the 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 next um, d denomination that people know them, that the most people know and understand. Yeah, um, if I can talk to that, too. Mm -hmm. And of course, my mind, I think about. Um, seven different things at once um in the most direct way of responding to you uh we're, we're right now watching on hulu the pride documentary that came out beautiful documentary six-part series it goes through each decade from the 50s and the last episode we just watched about the 70s it was talking about how sometimes it feels like there's a there's a hierarchy in a social movement and an organization like lgbt where certain letters or certain individuals and identities are seen first or valued more or like or society is treating one accepting one more than the other at a certain time mm -hmm. and so it's it's hard to start like comparing yourself to other people um in that way yeah well you know i i've always felt or at least i did when i was starting out in my journey that it would be easier if i was gay i feel like if if that was just it if i was just gay um then my parents would be able to accept it more it'd be easier to explain to people more people would in general society would understand and again you know it's just that okay i'm gay and you're done people understand that 
It's just when you have to go into the deeper explanation of if I'm trans, no, I was born this way. You know, you did, you know, like I said, pulling out the dictionary and trying to describe it to people. And I, I just think it's so important to bring that up that, yes, we're celebrating everybody under the umbrella, but it doesn't mean, just like you said, that we get equal treatment under that umbrella or equal recognition. That's why it's important for us to bring on as many different people under, you know, we're, we're focused in specifically on the trans umbrella. But there are so many people underneath that, and it's really important to make sure that we give a voice to everybody and try whatever we can to put them on an equal platform so that, you know, all of our needs and struggles, basically, are brought to light equally. So that's what we're going to try and do, do during Pride Month. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I didn't know when when I when I first started like looking for information, I didn't know that non-binary was compatible with being trans. As if trans is the means to the end. That's how you get to to your identity. Um, yeah, you get so to be on the trans like, highway, um, and then it's the third exit, I think. Yeah, I think about like a highway. Yeah, yeah, and you know, just you get off your exit, whatever identity you're you're gonna end up on. And folks, if you're listening and you're saying to yourself, "I don't know what I am," just try it out. Just try out your your experience. Um, it's your experience. It's your it's your journey. Uh, you can you can try one thing and and you know, try out try out different ideas. Um, find what makes what makes you shine and what 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 you feel good with. Yeah, um, it sounds like in your gender discovery, you sort of started there, with a non-binary kind of a fluid identity. Is that correct, or did you try going specifically femme? Um. So in my limited understanding of what everything meant, <laughs> I was still thinking in that binary way. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes I wonder, like, am I going to evolve in the future to, you know, to identify differently? Um, the longer I've been using non-binary, the more comfortable and confident I am with it. So I feel like that's a sign that I'm, I'm, I'm in a right place for myself. Mm -hmm. um, but... Yeah, and and like non-binary, right? It, it, I mean, of course, and I've seen those quotes online, and I love them. Uh, non-binary people don't don't uh, owe you uh, androgyny. Is that it? Like okay. non-binary don't owe you androgyny. Do whatever you want. You do you, boo, kind of thing. And um, I I like being feminine. Yeah, but I'll definitely identify as non-binary. Like looking for a driver's license letter, I would definitely go for that X option, even though. In my photo, people be like, oh, you look like an F or something. Uh-huh. Like, yeah. Do you feel that identifying as non-binary, as adopting that as who you feel you are, makes it easier for you to kind of, I mean, I guess that's sort of the whole point, to to have that fluidity and say, okay, no, I feel more feminine. Or no, you know what, um, right now I'm, I feel more this way. Yeah, and honestly, it's kind of strange. I... Uh... When I present more masculine, I get into like a bad headspace. So it's pretty therapeutic for me to uh, to be feminine hmm. um, and present femininely. It's I also get... a challenge too because um, sometimes I feel like I'm I'm liberated from this this pressure of being forced to conform with a certain um, gender role expectation. Mm -hmm. Like if I was uh, a trans woman, you know, I'm I'm supposed to make like. I might feel pressured. Of course, you know, don't feel pressured to to conform to people's expectations, right? You're your own person. Yeah. Um, but sometimes I feel like being non-binary helps me feel liberated from conforming to those expectations and doing what people 
expect me to do. But at the same time, it scares me because I would I would honestly sometimes love for there to be like a rigid expectation of what non-binary people are supposed to look like or do. And and like I don't know, it's like you know, I, I don't I don't think we should behave that way, but sometimes I wish there was like, oh, look like that person. Like that's the non-binary prototype. Look at that person. Do you that know, do that thing. I totally get that. I totally understand that. There is a there is a certain amount of liberty and ease to to having the cookie cutter and knowing, okay, this is what I have to do today to be valid as this as you know, as who I am. You know, this is this is the box the world expects me to fit into and I can do that. And that's easy and I don't have to make any decisions about it. It's just that's what I fit into. That totally makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's not it's not easy. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you historically why too, but <laughs> are you yeah, you you're the teacher, you've got all that that knowledge. So let's get to coming out. Um you've you've come to this realization of your identity how did you then tell others and where did you start so i was thinking about this earlier again as a good as a good student i watched the previous shows um and uh practice questions i think i'm trying to think now if i came out to my sister first or my wife i've been married for happily married for four coming on to four years now and um when we first married, I, I wasn't out as trans, which which um, was a journey together as we discovered this together. Mm -hmm. um, and we're, we're in a very strong relationship and I love her very much. Um, thank you. If you're watching, thank you for everything. Um, <laughs> and when I wanted to come out, I think I started listening to the band Against Me again with Laura Jane Grace, mm -hmm. a very famous trans singer. And I was, it was, it was June of 20, it was June of 2019, maybe, maybe. And it was Pride Month. And it's so funny because I was watching your previous episodes and Megan was on recently, right? Mm -hmm. Megan, I saw Megan on, on, on Reddit, on just a random subreddit, right? She posts pictures like being like, like, I'm a trans gamer and, and, and I was so Megan Bound, and I, I was I was so elated to see that it made me feel so confident. And I wasn't really out yet. Mm -hmm. um, suddenly, Samantha, I saw her post, and I just just the visibility, you know, like all these people. I can't point to like one moment. It was just a million little things and a million little people. Um, the trans transvengers, right? Seeing them and other Twitch streamers, um, meeting you too, like 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 having just this community of people pop in my life, like I look back at who helped me get out and I see scores and fields of people looking back and smiling, like that's who helped me get out. Mm -hmm. um, when I finally came out, it was really, it was really scary. Um, I didn't know exactly what my plan was. I knew I had to say something, but I didn't know. And my wife's a very practical person and I love her for that. So she said like, what do you want from this? And I was like, I don't know what I want from this. I don't know where I'm going. Um, and at the time, too, I was watching Steven Universe, okay, uh, the TV show Rebecca, by Rebecca Sugar, and and there was one episode where I hope I don't spoil it. Listen, it's like ten years old at this point, so I can't spoil it anymore. Um, Steven and his friend Connie end up fusing 
into, I guess I don't, I haven't read up on exactly like how to identify Stevani, but into this, this character that we, I guess, assume is trans or by gender maybe. And um, it's Steven, the boy and Connie, the girl in, in one character in a fusion character. And in understanding who they are, another character says, you are an experience, be a good experience. That's all you need to worry about. Um, so coming out to my wife and coming out to my sister, I told them, you know, I'll need your support trying to find my way. I wanted to include them in that. I didn't want to alienate them. I didn't want to come out and be like, this is me. I'm different. You're, you never knew me. I wanted to make sure they felt comfortable with that and that they could, you know, kind of do this with me. Um, in that way. And then I slowly came out to my family and friends little by little. Um, it's it's so valid to be worried about it. You know, if if someone's here listening and maybe they haven't come out yet or they, they want to or they're thinking, you know, how do I do that? It's hard because you're looking at a world that is judging us a mm. lot and has has maybe convinced you that you need to have a plan when you come out and you need it to be approved by the rest of the people like you know all society is going to be waiting outside one day when you come out with a letter that you writ that you wrote about who you're going to be like um yeah it's it, it's hard mm-hmm. it can be it can be really hard um if you overthink like me right you're going to be like well what if when i go to the store how am i going to act or when i whatever um it comes in time yeah yeah i think that's just an important thing to think about you know you you like to overthink a lot of this again you try and put that pressure on yourself to have all the answers and so you're just you know thinking yourself into a box whereas it's just better to to approach it and say hey i'm gonna be going through something here i want you along with me to help me through this and that you know i think especially for a spouse that's got to feel really empowering right did did, what was her reaction um you know she was nervous at first it was it was new um you know she was obviously familiar with lgbt culture but not very you know like Mm -hmm. it, it wasn't really part of our lives um we were allies, of course. And one of my friends, when I came out to him, he goes, that's why you were so supportive of me. <laughs> like, <laughs> you were you were undercover. Um, yes, I was an undercover ally. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, it was it was new. And, you know, it, it changed a lot of dynamics about kind of how we spoke about things and how we, you know, treated each other. Um, but... Uh, it was it was good. And, and she's become such a great uh, advocate and, and uh, supporter of, of, of trans people and LGBT peoples, um, the leadership roles that she manages. Just she's really she's I, I'm, I'm so proud of her for really embracing the diversity and in the future. Yeah, that's beautiful to have that in your relationship where you've got that support right from the start and then they become a, a big ally, not only for you, but for other people in the community. That's really beautiful. That's absolutely best case scenario. And I'm I'm so happy that you're able to maintain the relationship and to get that out of out of the, your partner, because that's what we all need. Um, so, very, yeah. so then um, who was your most difficult conversation? I like that question. That's a really good question. Um... Most difficult conversation. You know what? I will say objectively, my brother, my little brother. I love him. He's a great person. So thoughtful. Too much like me. Um, and, you know, I, I hope he doesn't mind me sharing. He felt he felt kind of hurt um, that he wasn't the first person or second person I had told 
Mm-hmm. Um, I had told my mother and my sister first, and in, in our kind of like network dynamic, he would be then be the last person in that in that network there. Um, so he felt hurt, and I I felt so sorry that he did that. Um, he he definitely got angry at first and seemed confrontational. When we were talking about it, you know, why don't you tell me? Um, but I was really, I knew I knew he was just hurt. And so when, and so he started kind of saying things that, you know, weren't, weren't great, weren't positive. You know, this, um, like, I never, you know, you never showed signs of this or, or like, whatever. Like, you know, those things that you hear. Um, but then near, like, the middle of the conversation, it kind of got, got quiet. And I was like, I love you. You know, I'm sorry. And he was like, why didn't you fight with me just now? And I was like, I'm not going to do that. We don't have time for that. And he was like, my my and, and he he opened up and I love him for this. He opened up and he was like, my gut reaction was to be mad and to fight you on this for whatever reason I don't know, but hmm. I'm so happy you didn't give into that and, and 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 feed that fire that I had. And then we started really talking, you know, amicably. Amicably is that a word? Happily, nicely. <laughs> amicably. Um, you left out the ab. Yeah. <laughs> there. Anemone. Um, that's a Finding Nemo joke. Um, yeah, so so he uh, that was a really difficult conversation, but it was, but just, I don't know. I mean, maybe being a teacher helped me, like, <laughs> stop conflicts, but. Okay. Um, yeah, it was, it was, it was a good mm-hmm. story. Did you have anybody then, other than, than your brother, perhaps, that accepted you that you weren't expecting? Somebody who whose acceptance kind of caught you off guard or warmed your heart in a particular way? Yes. Um, I won't say names, but when I, when I came out to my family, I have a very big family, very big Italian family. <laughs> and um, I got a call, I think a couple days later, from a cousin who was battling coming out herself and it was so special it was so special to connect with her one because now we were the queer cousins but second because (laughs) second because um we had the best heart heart and you know we we were always close but we never i think reached that bond before that level of, of of closeness with each other and support and it was so nice. And, you know, shouting out into the darkness, a voice came back for, to me. And that was my cousin. And so I just, you know, I love her and I'm, I'm so happy for her, too. She ended up coming out to the family, too. Um, so it's just it's just really nice to have her, you know, there there with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was your acceptance level in, in other aspects of your life, like at work or in your local community? You know, in my local community during COVID, I kind of really officially came out during COVID when our schools closed down in the early 2000, uh, 2000, 2020. Hmm. Um, Wow. Uh, Yeah. Um, In March, 2020, that was the week where I said enough. I have to be like full time. And I use full time in quotes because when you become yourself, you don't have to use full time anymore. Right. Like, like when I think about using the word full time, I feel like, I don't know. I'm like, when I started just coming out as myself, I was like, I don't, maybe need this word anymore because this is just who I am. Mm-hmm. Like when you don't feel like it's maybe a costume or you're trying it on anymore. I felt like I didn't have to use the word full time. And of course I don't want to diss anyone using that word, but, but, uh, 
yeah, I just, that was an interesting dynamic I thought about earlier about using full time as a word. Anyway, um, you know, I would start to go to the stores with more feminine shirts on and makeup and trying things out, modifying my voice. My voice was a lot deeper. And I think you're going to ask me about community later. I'll bring that up then. Um, sorry. Yeah. So society, uh, the only, only negative thing that has happened, like I, I felt like people have looked at me, but I'm like, they think I'm pretty. Like, that's fine. You can look at me. Um, <laughs> but then the only thing was I went to the beach. I was so brave. Went to the beach um, in uh, women's swimwear. And then this this older guy walking on the beach like was just a little scoff. So I like look at them back. And I'm like, Ugh. like just at them. Like, uh, like I I don't have time for you. You're not part of my life. Goodbye. Like I'm on vacation. Let, leave me alone. So <laughs> I, I was able to quickly get over it. But in my in my mind, I was kind of like, ugh, I hated that experience. Um, but you can't let that get to you. you. Cannot let that get to you. That person is nobody. Cannot cannot let them get to you. Uh, Another good note. Um... Yeah, there's a lot of people that you cross paths with that you'll never see again and should not affect your, your life in any way. My work was much better. Um, I was so surprised. And, okay, like, you know, I take for granted sometimes how it's not easy, but how much easier it is, I think, to be out as LGBT in today's society. Um, of course, it's not incredibly easy. But if you're watching, like, these documentaries and, and like, like, America was 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 in a very dark place just years ago. You know, growing up, you didn't talk about it. In the early 2000s, I don't remember anyone in my school ever feeling confident to talk about it, ever, or happy about it. You know, it was always just hush-hush. Um, at work, I came out to my supervisors and my principal, and they were like, awesome. And I was like, what? And I'm the, I think I'm the first openly trans teacher there. Mm -hmm. um, we have LGBT representation on our school board, in the union for teachers to protect teachers, um, in the teachers themselves, and the students, huge LGBT community in our student population. But I was so afraid to come out because I didn't really know, you know, until it was going to happen to me, how it felt. And, and everyone's just been so supportive. I'm writing a thank you note right now to my principal because he is just, oh, we have some real good people here real good people looking out for everyone no matter what and and yeah uh so i'm writing a thank you letter right now i'm trying to write it as, as nice as possible because like i'm just so thankful to be in a good workplace um and where do you work where, where, wrong, where do you teach not not I like middle school, school but but just um sure. uh, a, a, a city urban middle school and uh and in, in a middle school and it's just and i taught in high school also okay. um my students love it i don't know i feel like i mean they're watching tiktoks they see like all these like cool lgbt peoples and so my kids are like yeah I'm trans teacher. And i'm like i'm like yeah <laughs> but um uh i yeah I, I i i eat that up i eat the compliments up as much as possible because if i have a sad day then mm -hmm. i can i can think about how awesome they are um my kids have been are super woke and super you know into all diversity so uh I'm so proud of them. Oh, I'm sorry, I missed it. What what state are you teaching in? Uh, New York. New York, okay. So yeah, so, again, Tim know, tends to be kind of a progressive area, right? Yeah, super progressive. Um, right. I mean, compared to other parts of the country in New York, there's this extra historical protection where, you know, New York was where these marches were held. Um, Harvey Milk, right, uh, comes from New York and, you know, his experience when he, before he moved to California. Um, 
and uh, yeah, so so I I I've been pretty lucky with the cards dealt to me. Um, it hasn't been easy, but I've I've been lucky. So you mentioned that we would get into community and that tied in directly to your voice. I know you said before that, you know, you were on Reddit and places like that. You found Megan Bound there. You found suddenly Samantha. Were, were there other parts of finding a community? Let me step back. When you started to look to find a community, what was that initial experience? Were you able to find those people quickly and easily that would support you or did it take you a while and some kind of start stop and starts to get to a community that you felt you belonged in? Um, I had the expectation that I was quickly going to Google LGBT friends and find a local hangout group. Uh, not the case. I definitely relied on the internet, especially during COVID, you know, mm -hmm. during the pandemic and you know, during these trying times. And, um, Reddit was my go-to, um, Discord, and and random encounters with people on Twitch. I've met some great people, uh, some and great friends. If you're watching, you know who you are. Um, I don't know. I, I just don't want to like call out, you know. Um, but uh, uh, on Twitch, you know, finding streamers and just fans on and viewers in the chat mm -hmm. has been really great. You join the Discords, you know, that they have and and you never know who you might find there. And you never know who's watching, too. So somebody randomly might message you and be like, hey, I loved your post, or I loved what you said. Uh, I blah, 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 blah. So you, you make these really random encounters. You never know who's watching. You never know who's going to reach out to you. Also, you never know who you're going to reach out to, too, because I definitely am on the side of randomly messaging people, <laughs> which I don't know the courtesy there. I try to be as nice as possible without being strange. <laughs> <laughs> like oh thanks yeah yeah i trust um, me i know a lot about that being the host of a show and it's just like oh you sound interesting you're a, you're a teacher you say right so oh you I should be on the show <laughs> yeah i loved you reaching out to me thank you absolutely so let's get into how community ties in with you finding your voice literally <laughs> um there was a local uh, program for voice training and uh, I think there's like a proper name for it but I kind of forgot what it was where they teach you for transgender clients or patients patients clients customers um, <laughs> how to work with your voice and I used YouTube a lot because I felt like my voice was really deep and I definitely got some dysphoria with that listening to it mm -hmm. um, I wanted to heighten it and you know it, it fluctuates and it takes practice it takes a, you know, a while to really get used to it but um, I was looking on YouTube and a lot of the videos I felt were just too convoluted, too much information at once. And sometimes people on there pretended to be scientists and they weren't scientists. So they were like, look at this chart of this throat. This is, you got to put pickles in there and blah, blah, blah. No, I'm just kidding. But um, you know, I don't know, you know, they had good tips, but um, it was really nice to connect with a local program, like a workshop. And they had like 10 to 15 people who were working on their voices. And I think for the most part, it was MTF. It was more feminizing the voice uh, for people in the situation, um, which was was fine. That's what I was looking for. And even as non-binary, you know, again, I still prefer like a more feminine, you know, expression. Um, and it was really nice. They taught you, you know, how to like more talk from the front of your voice, um, how to kind of, uh, 
change the pitch. Um, it's no secret there's a really awesome app on the phone called Voice Tools. Does anyone use that? Voice Tool app. Um, it's, it's a beautiful app. You can speak into it. It'll read it back to you. It'll tell you what pitch you're at. You can try to mimic the pitches. Oh, to wow. heighten your voice. Very nice. Definitely something I need to look into. Yeah, it, it was great. And that's what we used in the program, too. So we would talk to each other about what we saw and found on the app as we talked. Um, but then I was able to make really nice connections with people there. We saw each other once a week during the pandemic online. Hmm. And it was, it was, yeah, again, community building. Let's go to a much tougher question because it's more ethereal. What does transition look like and mean to you? It's so strange. It's you, but it's not you. I was trying to think of a metaphor earlier about this, actually. And I was trying to think, like, does anything new get added to you? in this experience or was it always there and you're kind of like watering that plant letting it grow and blossom hmm. is it like a filter that you you then start to filter out those negative the self-hate or the doubt and the fear like when you come out you know what are you really doing are you do you, do you like vibrate for a moment as you like walk through this coming out portal or like i don't know if it's more a cleansing or are you building yourself in a new way I always love like movie moments. And I think back to that moment in, in, in Steven universe, when they say it's an experience, I, I don't know. Uh, yeah. I, I love that. You know, you're trying to kind of look at this and be like, you know, yeah. Are you, are you shedding pieces? Are you adding pieces? Yeah. It, it's a very interesting thing. And I think that's sort of something that we all have to identify within ourselves individually. Um, if it's more of like just a shift or, like you said, watering and allowing a part of you to grow and become more prominent that was always there. I think that's something that, that we all kind of have to look at in, individually. And that's why I think it's it's a tough question, but it's a question that I think, you know, brings about a really kind of interesting answer from everybody because all of our perspectives are, are you know, very different there. Um, so how far along would you say you are in your process? Um, I'm getting there. <laughs> Not there yet. Um, one of the things I think people, you know, think about too is, is medically transitioning. And also, you know, like, does it like, um, I see a lot of words too, when people describe where they're at, they'll say like pre, pre-transition and things like that. Um, me, myself, I tried not to talk like that necessarily. Mm -hmm. I wanted to, hmm. Cause I mean, obviously for some people, it's going to feel like you're standing in front of like this. I'm thinking like in Mario terms now, where Mario jumps over a block, right? Like one unit of ground they have to jump over. Um, it sometimes feels like you have to, like there's a noticeable step on that day that you get over. Mm -hmm. But for me, I definitely wanted it to feel like this really gradual change where you hardly even noticed it over time. Um, like a very easy slope in my transition. So eventually I didn't really realize how far I got until I looked back. Um, oh, okay. If, if that makes any sense. Uh, no, it really does, and yeah. Can you, and can you ask the question one more time so I can not go on a tangent? <laughs> no, I think that's perfect. Just just where are, where you are, how you feel you are in your process. Like, are you just sure. getting started? Are you well on your way? Are you done? Have you gotten to a place where you are you and you are happy with who you are, how you identify, and there's nothing else that you need? I, so, okay, yeah, yeah, so, so, um, I am still considering, um, 
medically transitioning with 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 HRT um, eventually, right? Hopefully soon, eventually. I'm not on that, not using that yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I have used something since assigned male at birth and my my biology and anatomy, um, you know, thinning of hair and stuff as I'm getting older. Um, so I... And now I'm just like playing with my hair, like thinking about it. Um, I use finasteride to help my hair grow back, and it's it's working really well. Uh, oh, hairline kind of, yeah, yeah. So it's really nice. So like, if anyone's worried about that, finasteride is a nice a nice prescription that you can get through your doctor for hair loss. Um, and I mean, really, anyone can take it. You don't have to be a certain person to take it. It's just it's it's good to use for that. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. So I'm hoping to do that eventually. Otherwise, I really think that's kind of the only thing. I kind of made a checklist uh, earlier in the year, okay. and um, it was it was think of a name, and I found Jade. Um, it was get laser hair removal, and I'm doing that. Nice. Um, there's HRD, so that's not there yet. Not there but yet. it's there. Uh, what else is on there? Oh, totally changed my uh, wardrobe, and I, I've pretty much done that. So. Um, nice. Yeah. So, so I'm getting there. Maybe like a seven out of ten. I don't know. Okay. What are some of the key fears that you've had along your transition and how have you overcome those? As confident as I can try to be, I always think about what other people are thinking about me and it's annoying. <laughs> um so feeling like in in the same thought, I'm worried about passing for people. However that, you know, whatever that even means anymore, you know, I mean, obviously we know what it means, but should it be that important? Um, But then also feeling like I'm my own person. Um, Another fear I had was alienating or losing people. I'm still kind of, you know, watching to see if down the line my connections and relationships hold up with my friends and, you know, family and things like that. Um, so I'm being very cautious, just trying not to scare people. I don't know, uh, and not scare people, but yeah, I just, I'm very lucky that my family, you know, said, you know, no matter what, but I want to make sure that it, you know, mm-hmm. really stays that way. Um, my heart and love goes out to our friends who, don't feel as comfortable with, you know, family relationships and things like that. Cause I, I totally get that it's not easy coming out to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is definitely a fear yeah. that we share. What are some things that you do to really find validation for yourself in your identity? Is there anything that that's particular to like feeling great as yes, you know, this, this makes me feel awesome as a non-binary person or just things that you you like that are particularly feminine (laughs) um yeah two things one well so you asked me like any particular thing you love that makes you feel really good uh dresses i love dresses uh as a little kid i would like my mother would bring me into the boy aisle for clothing and i'd be like other aisle so bad Uh, um I guess there was a little story where I was in a store called Limited 2 as a child, and they had some Zodiac t-shirts, like a light blue one with a Taurus picture on it, and I wanted it so badly. And my mother said, no, can't have it. And I didn't understand why. Mm. Um, I love, I love dresses. Um, it, this is a halter top dress right here. Um, it, it really brings up my mood. 
Um, I really like it. Um, something else that I just love to be me with are vegan chicken nuggets. That that brings me to a place in heaven that only chicken nuggets can bring you to. Uh, okay. That's like my silly answer, but I love food and, mm. you know, just kind of being me and enjoying things that I've always loved. And it's funny, like these things I kind of developed, you know, while I was still kind of covert, you know, undercover before I came out. But there's still things that I've carried with me. I love cooking. I love drawing. I love, you know, listening to music and reading. And I, I've kept them with me. Mm-hmm. I found that those were like my core memories, right? Like my core values I get to keep and hold on to. Yeah, I think that's very important to, you know, to, yeah, like we talked about, you know, you're you're not changing who you are. You're just, you know, ex, you know, you're bringing other th- some things to the forefront and, you know, um, not exaggerating, but yeah, just, just kind of bringing more attention and development to some areas. But there are still those things, especially like when you're talking about comfort food, that is always going to hold true. I love that. Yeah. You, what's something that you really love to do and, and help like validate and express yourself and celebrate who you are? So what are some of the biggest hurdles that you've had to overcome in transitioning? Oh, sorry. Did you... Did that come through? I asked you a question. I don't know if it went through. So now I'm oh, like, sorry. That my... okay. Go ahead and ask Is my me. volume okay? Yeah, it is. Oh, okay. Um, I was wondering, uh, I wanted to ask you, what's what's something in your life that you love to do that celebrates who you are? That celebrates who I am. Um, you know, f- as far as someone in transition, um, as someone who's transgender, like I, I, I really identify with what you said about being able to wear dresses. I loved, um, I came out, I came out sort of before I came out. So I came out at work. I, I showed up wearing a skirt and in full makeup and here we go. And it was, it was a few years before I identified as trans. I just thought, well, maybe I'm just a cross dresser or whatever, but somehow I have to do this in public, which is a, which was a part of it that I didn't understand. I didn't know why I needed to do this one but i was i was fine with it but then i I couldn't understand the next step of like why i needed to do it publicly um and it was just getting to that point of like no i get to be who i want to be once i found that level of acceptance at work i i'm like i can just dress how i want to dress at work so i you know i got all my dresses like this all these kind of skater and fit and flare dresses i bought a ton of high heel shoes and and makeup and just rocked it constantly like every day that was what i was wearing even though we would switch to a more casual um a casual dress environment at work i was still i took a lot of pride in dressing up and looking very feminine and and that was just incredibly validating for me and really kind of helped me find myself in a and understand that you know this wasn't just a it wasn't a kink or a fetish like i had thought originally or had feared but this was something that was really, truly a part of me and um, and who I was. And so it, it, it both um, allowed me to to find that and to be that, but it also kind of like um, did that thing of, of validating it. Um, as far as other things, yeah, we, we have we have a good few things in common. I love <laughs> I love uh, fried chicken. You know, um, I'm more I lean I, I lean more towards tenders. Um, BJ's makes a sriracha dry rub tenders that I, I will just, I'll just destroy those every day. And, um, 
I also really love to draw and, you know, having those things that are key to your personality that you love to do before and still do after, I think are really important for us to keep, um, to maintain our identity and to realize that, you know, being trans, being non-binary, whatever we are in the LGBT spectrum is not the end all be all. It's just a part of us, and we can maintain those those kind of core key things that that um, also make us who we are. Absolutely. I also have a BJ's membership. Oh, love for BJ's. <laughs> the Jeremiah Red Beer is the best thing ever. So as we wrap up this section, I have two really important questions, and the first one's the more fun one, and then we'll get into the, the kind of serious one. First off, what is your favorite thing that you have learned through your transition? My favorite thing I've learned from my transition is, and this is related to my love of history, I think one of the reasons I became a social studies teacher, in social, when I teach social studies, I want to make sure all of my students feel valid and, and like they belong in the story of people because way too often it gets watered down or whitewashed and my students, maybe students of color, don't feel accepted or represented. Mm. And I always want to make sure they feel like there's a family and history for them and waiting for them and listening to them and, and that they've built something for them and today. You know, people in the past have built something for us. And so one of my favorite things I learned while transitioning was how many LGBT and trans people, I mean, like, like LGBT, but then also how many trans people have really existed in our country here and in the world and who are usually ignored, but they've existed, y'all. So, like, if you're looking for a family, just look back at those books. Look back in time. And, like, they're all there rooting for you. You have Thomasine Hall in the very first colony of the United States in Roanoke in Virginia. Like, the first colony in the United States, Thomasine Hall. Um, they, I, I believe, Thomasine uses she, she, her pronouns, um, was born intersex. And the colony harassed her constantly being like, are you a boy or girl, boy or girl? And she was just like, leave me alone. I'm just who I am day to day, whatever. Um, and like, there's so many people there for you. And that's what I learned and that. That's what I love. Yeah. You know, you mentioned earlier, kind of <laughs> when you, when you tell, you know, describe your identity to people, you kind of go through the history of all the people to, to help, you know, justify your existence. Yeah. But, you know, that's an important thing to have that to, to know that there are other people that have been around for hundreds of years, thousands of years, probably the entire existence of humanity, there have been LGBT people. It's just, yeah, the, it's the, the history, it's been, it's been washed out of there for some reason, but we've always been there, and we are an important part of society and of how it's become what it is. For my last question, what advice do you have for young or closeted trans and non-binary people out there? You're the coolest people alive, and uh, you deserve the most happiness ever. For my older friends, it's never too late. I feel I'm 27. Am I 27? I think I'm 27. Um, I feel like I'm racing against my own biological clock or schedule of sorts, but no, never too late. Do the things that make you happy and, you know, just like never... Never be critical about yourself. For my younger friends, too, this generation growing up, let me tell you, Emily, this generation growing up right now, mm -hmm. they are the most warm-hearted, open-minded people I've ever met. Being a teacher is such an honor for that reason. I get to hang out with these, these students every day, mm -hmm. and just the things they talk about, 
racism doesn't make sense to them. They're like, why on earth are people doing this? And it makes me so happy because like I tell them, I'm like, you better be the ones I'm paying my taxes to in the future. Um, I need you to be my boss, please. Like just y'all are amazing. I mean, really everybody, like, I'm just, I'm just so thankful for everybody. Um, I don't know, just love yourself. You deserve it. You deserve everything. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Transgender Show from The Transverse Network. Watch this show live Tuesday nights at twitch.tv slash the transverse. You can also find it and our other great shows at youtube.com slash the transverse. If you love what we're doing and want to support The Transverse and get access to exclusive content, you can do so by visiting patreon.com slash the transverse.